Let's talk shop two. Here we are. Welcome back, everybody, to Unbashful. As always, I'm your host, Nicholas Doucette, and I'm excited for another week, another opportunity for me to sit in front of this mic and in front of this camera and discuss the things that I fucking love. And we are going to do that once again in today's episode. Now, um, like I just said, this is called Let's Talk Shop 2. I did another Let's Talk Shop about four or five episodes ago. I can't exactly remember. Um, and essentially what this kind of episode is, I'm going to do it like like I just said, once every, you know, once every month, essentially. Uh, I'm going to try and squeeze in a Let's Talk Shop. Essentially, this kind of episode uh, is just a mixed bag of things I'm going to discuss. Um, you know, it could... It could be about movies, it could be about sports, it could be about, uh, you know, issues going on in the world and, you know, so on and so forth. You guys get the idea. Uh, And we got a lot to talk about in this uh, edition of Let's Talk Shop. So let's just get right into it. Uh, We're going to kick this off with the Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James little, you know, fight, if you will, that happened about a week ago. Um, Sort of, you know, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about. I'll give you a little brief uh, sort of, you know, breakdown of what, what happened between these two players. Uh, essentially, LeBron and Isaiah Stewart were boxing out for a rebound um, and were boxing out for a rebound in case the free throw had missed, uh, but the free throw, you know, went in. But, you know, of course, anybody that's played basketball when you're boxing out for a rebound, uh, you're obviously getting physical with the other player. And, you know, one thing led to another. LeBron uh, accidentally, yes, I said accidentally. We're going to get into that. Uh, he accidentally hit Isaiah Stewart in the face with his hand, uh, causing Isaiah Stewart to have a pretty bloody open wound. Right up, I think he was either right below or right above his uh, right eye. Um, and Isaiah Stewart, Isaiah Stewart was really upset, and then he... You literally tried to chase LeBron down the court. Um, they didn't. They didn't fight each other. Like as soon as it happened, if you watch, uh, they went kind of face to face, and LeBron immediately immediately said, "Yo, I'm sorry. Like, that I, I didn't mean to do that. That's I'm I'm not quoting him. That's just kind of what it looked like. Uh, and apparently, he did immediately apologize. He said, "Yo, man, I'm sorry. Like, are you okay?" And they kind of got really physical. They got really close. But nothing else happened in that moment. Isaiah Stewart didn't go crazy. He didn't throw any punches. He didn't lose his fucking mind until he was separated and being held back by four or five, you know, staff members of the Detroit Pistons. Uh, so that's that's sort of like a general synopsis of what happened. Now I'm going to give you my thoughts. I'm going to tell you, you know, the biggest question that people are asking: Was it intentional? Was it a dirty play? And uh, overall, I do think it was a dirty play. I do think it was a dirty play just off of judging the history of the NBA and looking at the previous dirty plays that we've seen. It does qualify for a dirty play, but I I think there are depths to this situation. Um, And the next point I want to make is, while it was a dirty play, I don't think there was an intent to hurt Isaiah Thomas on behalf of LeBron James. I don't think in that you know, sequence of him boxing. I don't think he thought in his mind, I'm going to just punch this guy right in the face. I don't believe that for a second. Um, I think we can give LeBron James the benefit of the doubt. Anybody that's paid attention to him in his career, we've never seen anything 
any kind of behavior to resemble him being known or seen as a dirty player. So I don't think there should be a reason to believe that while he did hit Isaiah Stewart, I don't think there's a reason to believe that it was intentional whatsoever. Um, and, and, uh, and like I said, I mean, I don't think, like I said, there, I just fucking keep repeating myself. Um, I mentioned earlier that immediately as the situation happened, LeBron walked over and he immediately apologized and he, he recognized what he did and he said, yo man, like, are you okay? Um, clearly that wasn't, you know, enough and Isaiah didn't really care. He, you know, presumed, proceeded to be very emotional, very angry. Um, <clears throat> now for looking at the like logistics and the technical aspect of how LeBron's hand managed to actually you know, make contact with Isaiah Stewart's face. I think if we break down the video here and we we, we sort of analyze it, which I which I did before uh, recording this uh, podcast, I think the reason why LeBron actually hit Isaiah Stewart in the first place is because if you watch the video, like if you watch the video, it's clear that LeBron hit him in the face. I'm not denying that whatsoever. But if you look at possibly how and why that happened. Isaiah Stewart's arm, when they were boxing each other, Isaiah Stewart was grabbing LeBron and his arm was like up here. If you're watching, I'm grabbing towards my neck. His arm was all the way up here and he was grabbing LeBron's jersey. His his fist, Isaiah Stewart's fist was already almost, you know, touching LeBron's face. And then I think what happened was that was kind of frustrating LeBron. And then I think he sort of turned around and tried to, with his with his arm, I think he tried to swipe his arm away. But I think he just unfortunately missed his arm and then accidentally hit him in the face. That's kind of like what I think uh, happened, to be honest. I mean, and, and, and if you look during the video, it's, it's, I mean, it's pretty clear like that that was the intent. I think the intent was for LeBron James to f- separate himself from Isaiah Stewart was to kind of get himself off of him because Isaiah Stewart was was on him. He was grabbing Le- he was grabbing LeBron, he was grabbing his jersey, he was all up in his business. And then LeBron, I think, was just trying to essentially say, like, get the fuck off me, get your arm off me. And then unfortunately he hit him in the face. That's sort of my take on it. Um so overall, like in technical terms, yes, it was a dirty play. I don't think it was you know, unwarranted for the league to give LeBron a suspension because in technical terms, you aren't supposed to hit somebody in the face in the game of basketball. This is not a combat sport. So that did happen there. there that's just the reality of the situation. LeBron did hit him in the face and it was very clear due to all the blood. Uh, it was very, very bloody. Um, Isaiah Stewart's face. I mean, just go look it up yourself. His whole face was just gashed blood you know, pouring out all over. So it was clearly like very harmful to Isaiah. And, you know, to a certain degree, I can understand his anger when you're in that immediate moment. And, you know, if somebody fucking hits you, like I know if somebody hit me, the first conclusion that I'm going to like, if, if it was this kind of situation, if somebody punched me in the face, the immediate conclusion and reaction that I would probably have is, okay, this guy punched me in the face. He wants to fight. That's just that 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 would be my reaction. Um, I don't know if I would go and chase the guy if I saw him run away. I'd probably say, okay, he's kind of a bitch. I'm just gonna let him be. Um, not saying LeBron ran away. LeBron didn't run away at all. If anything, uh, you know, the the staff were trying to sort of separate him and Isaiah by kind of keeping them on either side of the court. 
but getting back to my point here, overall in technical terms, yes, it's a dirty play. But to me, I interpret it more more or less as an accident, uh, given LeBron's, like I said, immediate reaction and you know all the other reasons that I just presented. So that's going to kind of conclude that first topic. So Hawkeye, that is going to be what we're going to talk about next. Um, Hawkeye just dropped, I think, last week. Uh, I just got around to actually checking it out today. I've watched both episodes. And if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the first time that... Actually, no, it isn't. I was about to say, I think it's the first time that Disney Plus has dropped a Marvel show um, with two episodes, you know, at once for the for, like, for the introduction. Um, but I just remember that I'm pretty sure WandaVision uh, did that with their show. Uh, but yeah, let's just kind of get into my thoughts and how I feel about the first two episodes here of Hawkeye. Um, you know, let's kind of start with episode one. I thought it was, I thought episode one was, oh, it was okay. Uh, you know, I don't really think it was anything special. Uh, I wasn't expecting it to be. Um, I do like the premise. By the way, before I, you know, continue on here, we're going to be talking full spoilers. So if you haven't seen Hawkeye, uh, I urge, I would urge you to go watch the show um, and then come back here. And uh, you can listen to me talk about it. Uh, but anyway, so with that little warning out the way, um, I like the premise. I really think uh, it's cool how they're tying it back to Endgame. And for those of you who didn't watch Endgame, when uh, Thanos you know, snapped his fingers and killed everybody and everybody, half the population was gone for those five years, uh, Hawkeye sort of became this other you know, alter ego character called uh, Ronan. And essentially, he was just this vigilante, and he was killing a lot of people. But I don't think it was innocent people. It was, you know, it, it was he was killing criminals. But you know, in doing so, he created uh, a lot of enemies in that process. And now we are just starting to see that that Ronin figure, uh, the enemies that he has created, are now starting to actually come, like come back to haunt him, and they're starting to come and and try and get their justice against him. Um, but the interesting thing, though, is that nobody knows Ronan's identity. Nobody knows that Ronan is Hawkeye. I, I mean, aside from some of the Avengers. Uh, but other than that, like, it's not common knowledge in the streets that, oh, Ronan is Hawkeye. That's why you don't you don't see immediately in, in the episode that Hawkeye's in any sort of danger. If anything, Hawkeye's enjoying himself. He's with his family. Uh, you know, they're attending the Rogers musical, which I'm going to get into. Uh, he's living a you know a pretty normal life at this point, a sort of retired life. Uh, he, you could tell he's not really you know focused on or prioritizing any any superhero business lately. Um, so, in terms of that, he's safe. But Ronan is in a lot of heat. A lot of people are coming after him, and it's only a matter of time before those enemies and those criminals that are you know coming after Ronan. It's only a matter of time before they find out that Ronan just so happens to be Hawkeye. Um, and as for the other main character of, of the series, uh, Haley Steinfeld, her character Kate Bishop, I really did like, and you know, I always kind of give Marvel credit for this when they introduce new characters. They always find a way to connect them to the previous events that have happened in the MCU in a way that it just kind of makes sense. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Why why she exists. You know what I'm saying? And that's sort of you know what they did 
uh, with Kate Bishop. Um, if you know, if you watch the episode right at the beginning, uh, we could tell that we're we're looking at Kate Bishop. You know, when she's a kid, when she's a child, and her her kind of apartment gets you know blown up, and they're they're looking at their window, and they could see the Battle of New York taking place from the from the first Avengers film and she's looking out her window from her sort of you know collapse not collapse but her sort of like dilapidated room due to the construction or due to the deconstruction of the Shatari and all the shit going on she's looking out her out her apartment and she sees Hawkeye you know fighting the Shatari and then him jumping off the building it's literally a scene from the first Avengers film that she's that she is watching from her perspective and you could tell that she kind of gets inspired from that. And during the process, unfortunately, her father dies because of all this fighting going on in the city. Um, but her mother survives. And once her mother finds her, she, she essentially says, like, is there anything I could do for you? Like, I promise I'll, you know, never leave you be or, or whatever. I'm paraphrasing. And then Kate Bishop responds with, like, I want a bow and arrow. And I think the reason why is because she saw Hawkeye. And it's like, you know, it's her hero. She sees this guy you know, fighting all the, you know, fighting the bad guys and, and, you know, from her perspective. Uh, and that's sort of where we get introduced to our, you know, other, uh, protagonist K Bishop, <clears throat> uh, now moving on. So, you know, that I, I got a lot, I kind of wrote some notes down here to sort of keep my, my thoughts structured, uh, with Hawkeye. Um, I thought it was hilarious when Clint, uh, and his kids went to that Rogers musical that I just mentioned earlier. Uh, essentially, for those who didn't uh, who, who didn't watch and you don't care about spoilers, uh, Clint Barton, Hawkeye, everybody knows that. Obviously, him and his family, uh, him and his kids, they go to this musical, and it's essentially depicting the Avengers, you know, fighting enemies, and you know, it shows Black Widow, uh, Steve Rogers, um, Iron Man, Hulk, Thor. It shows everybody. I I even think Loki was there as well. And, you know, they're singing, they're, you know, it's, it's funny, yada, yada. And actually Hawkeye himself is being played in, in the, in the musical as well. And, you know, they keep singing, I could do this all day. And every, anybody that's seen any Marvel movie knows that that's Captain America's iconic line that he always says, you know, I could do this all day. Um, so I thought that was, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and overall, I really do like Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. I think she's, in, she's an incredible actress. Uh, I loved her in True Grit. I was kind of like the first time I think I ever saw her. Um, actually, yeah, I think I think she would. Yeah, I think that was her in True Grit. Let me just double check here. I don't want to be I don't want to be wrong here. True Grit. Yeah, yeah, Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, yeah, she was in True. I mean, I I thought so. I just wanted to just wanted to be sure. Um. Sorry if you guys hear the doorbell ring. My dinner just actually got here, so I'll have to go get that in a second. Um, so yeah, I, I really do like her as uh, Kate Bishop. I'm not too familiar with the source material of you know the comic books and stuff like that, but I mean, I think the the thing that I, I understand, and I think most people can probably see this right from the jump. She's obviously going to eventually be you know the next Hawkeye, if you will, uh, and. Kind of moving on. So those are kind of like my general thoughts of episode one, how I felt. And uh, moving on to episode two. Um, episode two was a lot more interesting. A lot more events took place. Um, at the end of episode one, Kate Bishop and Hawkeye actually finally meet each other because uh, during the episode, Kate Bishop actually ends up stealing the Ronin costume uh, through 
a uh, through a black market sort of um, event that was happening. They were selling the suit and they were selling uh, his sword and everything like that. And during that sort of black market draw, uh, they were actually getting robbed by by the uh, what are they called the uh, the tracksuit mafia, and they're actually hunting Ronan. So during that process, they you know they, they came and 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 they, and they robbed the place, uh, and they were trying to you know find Ronan and find a suit. And during that, uh, Haley Steinfeld's character, Kate Bishop, she, she was sort of like acting as like a waitress uh, during this sort of, you know, a, you know, situation trying to get the jump and trying to figure out what's going on here. Cause uh, sorry, I'm kind of explaining this bad. Let, let me just, let me just rewind here. So essentially uh, Kate Bishop is attending this event held by her mom in this, you know, sort of building or whatever. And uh, her mom is very, very wealthy in this show. And downstairs, uh, Kate Bishop's uh, mom's fiance. He is attending this sort of uh, this sort of draw that's happening. Like you know, uh, I'm selling the this sword for you know eight hundred thousand, whatever. And there's a bunch of people down there, and, and everybody's trying to you know bid their price and, and get a hold of this stuff. And do and during the, uh, during this, um, that's when the tracksuit mafia sort of. It, you know, pull up and invade and, and, you know, try and steal all this stuff. And there's a bunch of chaos. People are fighting each other. And then while this chaos is happening, Haley Steinfeld sees the Ronin costume on the ground and then she picks it up and takes it. And then doing so, the tracksuit mafia notices that and they track her down. And then they actually see her wearing the suit. And then they think, oh, we found Ronin. We found the guy that we've been hunting for. Let's get him. And obviously, that is not Ronin. Uh, so then Hawkeye kind of gets the, gets the jump on this. Uh, he, you know, he sees their shit going down in the news and he sees that Ronan's on the loose. And obviously him seeing that he knows that, okay, there's somebody pretending to be me. I got to go get this sorted out. And then he saves, uh, Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop is, you know, fighting these guys and clearly she can't, uh, take on all of them. So Hawkeye shows up, saves the day, rescues her. And then that is at the end of episode one. And that's when we are introduced to, uh, or not introduced. That's when that's when we see both of them being Clint and Kate. That's when we see them actually meet each other uh, on screen. Um, and overall, in epi- moving on to episode two, uh, we get to really see the chemistry between them. Uh, I really did enjoy, you know, seeing them on screen together. Screen together. I thought it was incredibly funny at times. You know, very. Very interesting. I mean, we were seeing uh, Kate Bishop kind of fangirl over her, like, "Oh my God, you know, you're Hawkeye. You're in my apartment. This is really, really cool." And you know, Hawkeye just wants to, you know, get this shit figured out and go back to his family. Um, and overall, I think it's like I mentioned. I think it's interesting that nobody knows that Hawkeye is Ronan, um, and that most people now are mistaking him uh, for Kate Bishop. So it's kind of a cool dynamic because Hawkeye wants to get the suit back. Because, I mean, it's his suit at the end of the day, but then he also kind of has to protect Kate Bishop because he understands that this young girl who admires him, who's a fan of him, you know, who's into archery just like him and very, very good at it. He understands that this girl's in danger because now she's kind of caught herself in the middle of this situation, not intentionally pretending to be Ronan, but just putting on the costume and, and, you know, trying to fight crime and, and do what's right. Uh, so now he's kind of at a crossroad. He sort of has to, you know, juggle both of saving her and then getting the getting the suit back. And then in doing so, we're obviously, you know, what we're seeing, he's going to mentor her. He's going to teach her. And, and we'll kind of see that relationship continue to grow and blossom through these episodes. 
Um, and you know, I'm I'm curious to see you know when Kate will find out the true identity of Ronan, uh, and, and not not just her, you know, everybody, because it's 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 inevitable. We all know what's going to happen. We all know they're you know everybody's going to find out that eventually, you know, this guy who was kicking ass and killing criminals, this was Hawkeye. Uh, people are going to draw conclusions. But I wonder when that's going to happen. I've already talked to some people, and they seem to think that she already is kind of piecing the puzzle together. Uh, I don't quite think that I, I, to be honest, I think that she's just under the impression that it's Hawkeye is Hawkeye, nothing more. Um, now, we're going to move on to the Tracksuit Mafia. Kind of a funny name for the, or for the antagonist group. But I, my theory right now, is I believe that the mastermind and the person behind the tracksuit mafia is Yena, let me pronounce this right, Yelena Belova. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, that is Florence Pugh's character from the uh, Black Widow movie. She is, um, she's Natasha Romanov's sister in the in the film. And if you watch that film in its entirety and you stay around for the post credits scene, you can actually see that uh what's that woman's name uh contessa contessa valentina allegra de fontaine that woman in the post credit scene actually frames clint barton and tells yelena that this is the man responsible for your sister's death obviously we know that that isn't the case in avengers endgame natasha romanov sacrifices herself for the soul stone but yelena doesn't know that and she's being uh she's being manipulated in, into believing that oh clinton barton this is the guy that's responsible for the death of my sister i need to go after him and i believe that she's sort of you know formed this mafia or whatever or sent this mafia uh to go and take care of Clint Barton. Now, I understand that they're making you believe in the end of the second episode that uh, the character Echo that was introduced towards the end, uh, the deaf character, that she is in charge of all this, or or, or that other guy that who's sort of sitting in the shadows, like, I, I forget his name. Um, I think people refer to him as Clown. I could be wrong. Um, they're kind of trying to lead, lead you to believe that they are uh, in charge of all this, and they're kind of, you know, orchestrating all this, but I do believe that behind it all i do think that yelena is behind you know all, all this you know stuff that's happening to clint barton and kate bishop and not only that we know that for a fact that florence Pugh is actually in the show uh she's on you know imdb and you know if if you look at all the news outlets they've also you know reported that uh, she's in the show now. I know you can't always trust them, but when when places like Variety and, and all these other you know outlets report it, I'm inclined to believe it. Overall, um, I'm enjoying Hawkeye. I think it's a pretty decent show so far. Uh, I def I did enjoy the first two episodes. Probably the second one second one a little bit more than the first one. But overall, pretty solid show, and I'm excited to see where it keeps going. If I were to compare it to a show like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I would say that I'm enjoying the first two episodes of this show better than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You know, overall, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I thought was a pretty boring show until episodes, you know, five and six. Uh, I wasn't really that interested, you know, until those episodes. Uh, overall, I kind of thought the show was pretty cookie cutter MCU, in my opinion, at least. 
Um, but if I compare it to a show like Loki, I would probably side with Loki's first two episodes. I think that whole show in general is magnificent. There really isn't an, epi- an episode that I didn't enjoy. Uh, but anyways, <clears throat> that's going to kind of wrap up my thoughts. Um, obviously, you know, when more episodes come out, I'm going to talk about them and give you more thoughts on the show. Uh, now, the next the next two, the next two uh, topics we're going to talk about here are pretty serious. Um, they're not, you know, movies or, you know, some real shit going on in the world. Uh, and I don't love any of this stuff that I'm going to talk about. Cause I know in my intros, I always say, I'm going to talk about the things that I love. It, you know, that's just sort of my intro, you know, kind of rolls off the tongue, but these things I don't love, obviously, you know, I'm sure most people probably know, would, wouldn't, un, would know that, excuse me. Uh, but I just thought I would preface that before we get in. So, um, we are going to talk about the news of the person who's going to be shot to death in North Korea for selling copies of Squid Game. Um, now, all this information I'm about to talk about, this comes from Lin Chea of the National Post. And they reported that a North Korean man has been sentenced to death for smuggling and selling copies of Netflix's Squid Game in the country. After authorities apprehended seven high school students watching the show, Radio Free Asia reported earlier this week. Sources said the smuggler allegedly sold USB flash drives containing copies of the hit show that were brought into North Korea from China. One of the students who had bought the USB drive received a life imprisonment sentence, uh, while the six others who were merely watching have been sentenced to five years hard labor. Sources added that teachers and school administrators have also been fired and faced banishment to work in remote mines. Uh, so yeah, like I said, that was, you know, all coming from that, that was a, you know, that was a whole quote from the article coming, uh, from national Post and Lynn Chea. Hope I pronounced that right. So let me give you my thoughts. Wow. That is, uh, <laughs> that's fucked up. Um, I mean, most people know that North Korea, uh, a lot of fucked up shit goes on in that country and, you know, the rules are <laughs> definitely different from ours, to say the least. And that's just terrible. Um, yeah, I don't, <laughs> there's really not much to be said. I really, you know, obviously it is a crime to pirate movies, but I mean, you know, killing somebody for it, you know, I, the, the actual sentencing is it's they're they're you know, it's titled as they're, they're sentencing him to being killed by a fire firing squad. Uh, so yeah, that's just, that's sad, man. Like that's, that's really unfortunate. Uh, I mean, we've all, like I said, I'm sure everybody listening right now has heard, you know, stories of North Korea. And I'm sure if you look up online, you can do your research and find stuff as well. But that is really terrible. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that's, that's really shitty. The dude's going to literally die for selling copies of the biggest show on earth right now. I don't really know. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of thought I would share that news and kind of give you my thoughts. Definitely ain't going to be visiting North Korea anytime soon. Uh, yeah. Um, and then the next set of news we have here, uh, this is about Activision. Um, and this is also some really fucked up stuff. So the Activision news just keeps getting worse. Um, back in July, it was announced that Activision and Blizzard were actually going to be getting sued by the state of California for things like sexual assault, sexual harassment, and even an employee actually fucking killing herself, taking her life because of sexual misconducts and things that were happening in the workplace. I think she had some uh, relationship going on 
with a co-worker and then I think it was reported that the co-worker was actually passing around photos of her vagina. So yeah, really messed up stuff. Um, now obviously those are all alleged incidents, but I mean, that's just, that's fucked up in Due to the other things I've heard about Activision, I'm inclined to believe that that did happen. Uh, and also, they're, they're, they're known to have what's been labeled as a frat work culture. Essentially, these guys are like drinking all day, um, playing video games all day. Like not, not play testing, like playing video games like for their own you know, gratification. Doing it for their own sort of self-enjoyment rather than actually like doing their job and making these games and working on these games. Um, so, so that happened back in July. Now, if we fast forward to the news that re- that's recently been taking place with Activision, um, all this information I'm about to talk about comes from ONS Good of, uh, or sorry, yeah, ONS Good of Polygon, and they reported that one week ago, the journal published a report depicting Kodak, uh, Bobby Kodak is the CEO of Activision, Kodak is aware of multiple allegations of sexual harassment, including an alleged rape that he either did not mention to his board or otherwise minimized their severity. Activision and its board have challenged that story as a misleading view of Activision Blizzard and our CEO. So, yeah, first of all, Bobby Kodak is a fucking terrible human being. Um, I already didn't like him to begin with. I, I just personally think he's kind of a, a sleazeball. There was some news that reported out that he accepted like a $200 million bonus or something along those lines. Meanwhile, the guy's already a billionaire and he could have probably just put that money back in the company and provided more jobs. Now, obviously, I'm you know I'm not an MBA student or, or whatever. I'm not a business ex, you know extraordinaire. So, But I mean, to me at least, the, the guy's already a billionaire and he's just, he's just you know accepting all this money. Uh, where he could have just put that back into more jobs because I know for a fact that there are a lot of Activision employees that aren't getting paid nearly as much, and I'm referring to more or less of the devs. Uh, they aren't getting paid nearly as much as they should. Um, so there's that. But then now we're hearing that he knew about a lot of the fucked up shit that was happening with Activision and all the you know, the, the sexual assault and the harassment and all that, and he pretty much did nothing. He kind of like swiped it to the side. And in fact, uh, for those of you who don't know who Dan Bunting is, it was reported that he was being, uh, that there was reports of him actually sexually harassing people. And before he eventually resigned himself, apparently Kodak was actually defending him as well. Now that's all, this is all alleged. Uh, but to be honest, I, I believe all this that I'm reading. Um, yeah, basically Bobby Kodak is just a fucking horrible human being. And he really should resign. I think it's just going to be a matter of time. Through the reports that I've read, I'm seeing that he doesn't plan on resigning if things can't get fixed quickly. Uh, But I do think that he will have to resign because I don't think this is going to get fixed quickly. I mean, we're seeing employees, you know, protest and walk out as they should. I think that's totally what they should do. Why should they be working when their CEO is, you know, accepting all this extra money that he doesn't need that he could put back into you know, more jobs and, and, and him not doing anything about these, you know, sexual harassment and discrimination cases. And we're also hearing that a lot of these employees that were being harassed, a lot of these females, they were trying to go to HR because HR is a place where you go and you come and you, you tell them about situations like this. And apparently they were actually being a consequence for raising awareness of these issues. 
And that's just really unfortunate. Um, and then as for what we can do as, you know, bystanders, if, if you will, I think first and foremost, I don't think anybody should be purchasing any new Activision titles this year. Um, I stopped playing Vanguard. You know, I, I kind of gave my thoughts on Vanguard a couple episodes ago, but I'm just not playing it anymore, especially after this news. I'm not supporting Vanguard. I'm not going to be doing anything related to Vanguard. So for those of you who haven't bought it yet, keep your money. Do not fucking buy it. I regret buying it. Um, I bought it digitally, so I'm going to try and get a refund, but I mean, fuck, I don't, I don't know if it's going to let me. Um, I think buying retail kind of is a lot easier to, to, uh, to get refunds and things of that nature. Uh, but yeah, so I would not play Activision's, you know, games this year. I, I think Call of Duty is probably the only new one that they're releasing. I know they're responsible for like Destiny and, and World of Warcraft, but I would not be uh, paying your money to Vanguard. I, that game is already suffering in the sales department, and I think we should, you know, let it continue to suffer. I would not buy the game personally. That's just kind of like how I feel about it. Um, yeah, that's that's gonna wrap up my thoughts on the Bobby Kotick situation. I really feel sorry for all those, you know, for all the victims that were involved in this, and I really hope that now that you know Activision is being, you know, pressed and they're actually, it looks like some some discipline and some consequences is gonna be coming their way. I really do hope that the victims that were involved, you know, get their justice and you know get some kind of compensation and and. I know it's they're never going to forget those situations that happen, but I hope they can feel at ease that the people responsible are you know are, are going to be dealt with by the criminal justice system. Um, so yeah, that's going to kind of wrap up those you know those those thoughts on those two situations. Now moving on here, I'm going to give you my six month review of the PS5 and if you should get it or not. Uh, so yeah, I do have a PS5. I've had it for like I said six months. And, you know, overall, uh, I get a lot of thoughts on it. You know, we'll kind of just start off with the UI uh, being, you know, the first thing that you pretty much see when you, you know, when you interact with the console. Um, I do really like it. I do really appreciate how the apps are, you know, you know, how all the applications and everything sort of organized all in one bar. It's sort of like seamless. Even like the store is kind of in there as well. Like when you go to the store, you don't feel like you've left the sort of home screen it just kind of feels interconnected so i really really like that um it you know just from my personal experience it's nice to have a console that actually works and it's actually quick it's responsive uh you know when i click x to interact with something i'm not waiting fucking 10 minutes for a game to load and that's what i was struggling with because i had uh, up until getting my ps5 i've been rocking with you know the the first generation ps4 you know, all these years. So that thing is, has been pretty much on its last legs. I kind of use it as, as like my, like, you know, Netflix system at this point, because I have my PS5, like over there. And then I know you guys can't see, but over here, I kind of have like my TV. And then like when I'm lying in bed, I use my PS4 to sort of like watch movies and stuff like that, rather than just picking up my PS5 and moving it over there every time. So, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I was just drinking some water. Um, now, a lot of people don't like that there isn't custom themes, and I did enjoy custom themes, but I actually kind of prefer what they do now. And what they do now is every time you scroll to a new game, like on your PS5 menu, it sort of it, there's sort of like a display behind you or, or behind the UI 
behind the UI. That doesn't really make any sense. Okay, essentially, the theme is each game that you scroll by. So, for example, if I scroll by Call of Duty, right, my screen is going to show almost a preview of Call of Duty, whether it's, you know, Call of Duty, Black Ops 4, or whatever. It's going to show me the contents and, and things that you could do in the game and sort of that's going to be like the theme as long as I'm staying on Black Ops 4 every time I go to my home screen, that's what I'm going to see. Or if I scroll over to NBA 2K, for example, I'm going to see guys in the NBA. I'm going to see, you know, basketballs going in nets and, you know, so on and so forth. You guys kind of get the idea. Um, <clears throat> and uh, what else is there here? Yeah, um, quite honestly, as for games, now games is a big one. Uh, the launch of the PS4 wasn't the the launch year rather wasn't the greatest. I think it was like Killzone, Shadowfall, and a couple of other games like Knacked. Uh, I don't really think those games have held up very well. I don't think they've aged very well, um, and they're just not very good in my opinion. Uh, I, I mean, I, I played those games and they were you know they were okay. I didn't mind Knack. Killzone, Shadowfall was a complete you know disappointment in my opinion. Um, but I will say, if we compare that to the launch of the PS5, I really, I was pleasantly surprised with the games that launched. Uh, I, I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed Returnal. I really enjoyed uh, Resident Evil Village. I played a little bit of Spider-Man Miles Morales, but uh, I mean, I actually just bought Spider-Man Miles Morales. So I'm actually getting really, really late to that party. I just started playing it last week and I'm playing a little bit of it. Um, I am enjoying it. Now, it's kind of weird. I feel like I'm the only person on earth that hasn't played the Spider-Man PS4 game. Uh, and I know I probably should have before I played Spider-Man uh, Miles Morales. But, I mean, you don't really need to, to be honest with you. Uh, in my opinion, at least. But, I mean, yeah. So, Spider-Man Miles Morales, pretty good. I got, you know, I'm getting through that game. I heard it's only like eight hours of game time. And I've probably, I'm probably halfway done. Uh, so overall, I'm really enjoying that. Like I said, I, I loved Resident Evil Village. Uh, I enjoyed Returnal. And I, I know there's a couple other, you know, launch titles that I missed. But those are kind of the ones that I've personally been playing. Um, and there's a lot of cool little benefits from getting the PS5 as well. Uh, there's something called the PS Plus Collection. And essentially, when you get your PS5, uh, you can actually... First of all, I didn't even mention this. You can play PS4 games on your PS5 for the first time, like, ever... We have some form of backwards compatibility, which it's about fucking time. I was just clapping, by the way, for those of you listening. But it's about fucking time that there's backwards compatibility. That's the one thing that Xbox has always had over uh, over PlayStation is their backwards compatibility. I think on the new Series X, you can literally play like games on the original Xbox. Like I'm talking about the one from like the early 2000s. So. Finally, PS PlayStation has backwards compatibility, albeit for one generation behind. But, you know, nonetheless, still better than nothing, I guess. Um, but when you get your PS5 and you sign up for PS Plus, there's something called the PS Plus Collection. And it's essentially a almost like a playlist of all the highlights from the generation of the PS4. And you basically get a bunch of free games. If you didn't play a lot of these free games, like I'm talking like Uncharted... Uh, The Last of Us, um, Days Gone, 
you know, all kinds of games to be, uh, to be on Mortal Kombat. It basically gives you all these games for free to download and add to your library. You don't even have to download them. You can just add them to your library and that way they're there. So anytime you want to play them, they're there for you to play. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. Um, so other than those kind of three games that I mentioned earlier, uh, Returnal, Resident Evil Village, and Spider-Man Miles Morales. Those are the really the only next-gen games that I'm playing right now. For the most part, I've really only been playing PS4 games. Other than those three, I've pretty much been playing Modern Warfare, Black Ops 4, uh, you know, 2K20, you know, those kind of games. I, I got 2K21, but I barely fucking play it. I'm kind of done with 2K at this point. I, I don't have 2K22, and I'm definitely not going to be getting 2K you know, 23, I'm kind of done with that franchise, but yeah, so kind of getting back to the point here, I've really only been playing PS4 games and I'm not entirely disappointed with that, but I would have been able to like to play a lot more PS PS5 games. And in terms of like a jump from PS4 to PS5, in terms of like graphic fidelity and, and you know, resolution frame rate, things like that, there is definitely improvement, probably more noticeably in other games. Uh, but overall, I don't think there is this sort of like, you know, insane jump from, from PS4 to PS5. I think I think there's some games that will be coming on the horizon that will really maximize the new specifications of the PS5 and really show you, wow, this is truly next gen. I haven't really had a game yet that it's, kind of knocked me off my ass and said oh shit like i'm playing a next gen console that's kind of just you know my my take at least um, but overall the big question should you get a ps5 and i think you should I, I i do think you should now that's if you can because we all know that the ps5s are scarce right now you know they're incredibly hard to find you know i'll tell you a little story about how i actually got mine it took like three tries before I could actually get one. The two tries prior, I just, I guess I was too slow and the scalpers beat me out. Um, for those of you who don't know what I'm referring to as scalpers, it's these people that do get the PS5s and they resell them like crazy. They charge you out the fucking nose to get one of them. I'm talking like 1600 two grand for a console that's like 500 bucks, you know. Um, so if you really, really want it, scalpers are waiting for you, but... I was patient enough to wait till the opportunity came and finally I was able to get it, but I wasn't actually able to purchase it myself. Uh, my friend who already had a PS5 was like, yo man, I know you really want one. Um, I could get one for you right now. Just transfer me the money and boom, I'll get it for you. And I was trying to get one while talking to him on the phone and I could just tell my internet wasn't holding up and or maybe I just simply wasn't quick enough and I was like, yeah, man you know, get it for me and I'll give you the money. And then obviously I gave him the money and then we got, and then I got it. Uh, now the, the place that I got it from was from Kingston, Ontario. And I live like probably, well, I live more towards Toronto. So it was a pretty lengthy drive. I had literally had to drive like three hours to go get it. Um, and they actually, my friends, uh, they came with me. We kind of made a little bit of a day out of it. Overall, it was fun. Uh, and it was kind of just funny how that story played out. You know, my friend got it for me and he already had his and I gave him the money for it. And then we had to drive across the country to get it. Not, you know, I'm being exaggerative. Uh, but yeah, overall, though, if you can get one, I would get one. 
uh, for me personally, I have the digital one just because I stopped using discs like four or five years ago. So I just really don't see the need of paying that extra like $150 or whatever it is uh, for a disc drive. That's just my opinion. Now, overall, my favorite game that I've my favorite next gen game that I've played this year on the PS5, I would probably say is uh, Resident Evil. I really, really enjoy Resident Evil. Uh, sorry, Resident Resident Evil Village to be exact. Now on my PS4, I played Resident Evil uh, Biohazard, and that game was really, really cool. You play as this character named Ethan, and you need to rescue your girlfriend uh, through this sort of like through this house, and there's it's it's not zombies it's not zombie people that are in this house it's a family that has this sort of infection hence the game being called biohazard and they can turn into these creatures and whatnot it's a really good game i urge you to give it a shot and we see in the sequel to resident evil village we see our main protagonist ethan once again and he's with his wife everything everything is good uh, but now the plot of this game is now he has to actually rescue his child, whereas before he had to rescue his wife. Um, and I'm not going to spoil the plot. I really do want people to check that game out. It's very, very interesting. Um, and yeah, that's probably going to cap off the second edition of Let's Talk Shop. I got some really, really good episodes in store uh, for the next like four or five episodes. I do have some guests lined up, and I'm very excited to get those out and ready for you guys to listen and watch and yeah as always i'm going to thank you guys for watching and listening and i will see you on episode 13